Chapter 7, Stepping Up as a Dad Build me a son, O Lord, who will be strong enough to know when he is weak and brave enough to face himself when he is afraid, one who will be proud and unbending in honest defeat and humble and gentle in victory. Build me a son whose wishbone will not be where his backbone should be, a son who will know thee, and that to know himself is the foundation stone of knowledge. Lead him, I pray, not in the path of ease and comfort, but under the stress and spur of difficulties and challenge. Here let him learn to stand up in the storm. Here let him learn compassion for those who fail. Build me a son whose heart will be clear, whose goal will be high, a son who will master himself before he seeks to master other men, one who will learn to laugh, yet never forget how to weep, one who will reach into the future, yet never forget the past. And after all these things are his, add, I pray, enough of a sense of humor, so that he may always be serious, yet never take himself too seriously. Give him humility, so that he may always remember the simplicity of true greatness, the open mind of true wisdom, the meekness of true strength. Then I, his father, will dare to whisper, I have not lived in vain. General Douglas MacArthur, A Father's Prayer. A few years ago, my son Ben and I had the opportunity to go to a World Series game in St. Louis. It was awesome to see my beloved Cardinals square off against the Detroit Tigers. The Cardinals won 5-0 and went on to win the series in only five games. But the highlight from that evening's experience was when my friend Chip turned and asked my son between innings. How would you describe your dad in one word? Watching Ben think for a moment, I quietly speculated about what he might say. Truthfully, I was hoping it would be some notable character quality like loving or kind or forgiving. Instead, my grown son's one-word conclusion of me was intentional. I sat there stunned. Intentional? If you'd given me a dictionary in a couple of days, I'd never have chosen that word. I looked at my son and I thought, you were number two in your class in high school, student body president, intelligent. Is that the best you can do? Ben explained to Chip, Dad was always purposeful about being a father, always teaching and training us. He tried not to leave anything to just happen. Now that I've had time to chew on it, And now that others in the family have weighed in and confirmed it, I've concluded that intentional is not such a bad description. I think I realized early on that raising my children was going to be my greatest contribution to a time that I would not see. As a result, I became very intentional in what Barbara and I taught them and in what I attempted to model to them. Fortunately, I had a great intentional model of my own. Hook Rainey, my dad. Boyhood was pretty simple for me growing up in Ozark, Missouri. 
I think one reason it was so secure was that even though I lived in a small town, I had a big dad. Not in personality or size, but in character. Some boys never had that. I'm glad I did. My dad was a quiet man with granite-like integrity. He lived his entire life a few miles from the log cabin where he was born. He was barely a teenager and one of nine children when his father deserted the family, leaving them dirt poor. All this took place in an era when abandonment was unmanly and divorce was unacceptable. Looking back on it all, I wonder how Dad figured out how to be a man. He could have easily been a victim and become bitter and angry. Forced to grow up early, Dad took care of his mom and his brothers and sisters for a number of years. Somehow he managed to graduate from high school and scrape together enough money to start a service station. Dad loved baseball. I learned later that he was a legendary country pitcher in those parts. A lefty, he was tagged with the nickname Hook because he evidently had a wicked curveball. It was about the only thing in his life that was crooked. Local legend had it that the ball would blaze its way to home plate and then suddenly fall off the table. He was so good that he played in the St. Louis Cardinals farm club system and pitched a game against Hall of Fame pitcher Dizzy Dean. Dad never could remember who won that game. Hook was just a six-foot-two-inch strapping country boy who might have made it to the major leagues if his coach, or his dad, had protected him. Instead, he hurt his arm, and his dreams of the majors evaporated. My dad not only had a sneaky curveball, he also knew how to keep a secret. One day during the Depression, when his family wasn't looking, he and my mom eloped one weekend and went to the Kentucky Derby for a two-day honeymoon. And although I recall one argument they had when I was a boy, I really never questioned my dad's love and loyalty for my mom. They were married 44 years until his death. Dad taught me how to throw a curve, a slider, and a knuckleball. His knuckler was mystical. As the ball would glide to me, he'd laugh and say, Count the stitches, son. Count the stitches. <laughs> I'd chuckle with him as the ball floated and darted toward me. It was all I could do to catch that fluttering ball. A bundle of memories of time with Dad now bring a smile to my face. Hunting deer and quail and fishing for white bass, his sixth-grade boys' Sunday school class, Old Spice aftershave and lava hand soap, and falling to sleep together with his arm around me on a Saturday afternoon as we watched the game of the week on TV. I can still feel the hair from his arm against my boyish cheek, and I can almost smell the propane on his hands from that morning's delivery. As a boy, I don't recall a single sermon that he ever preached to me, and yet Dad taught me life. He was a living message, authentic, humble, he didn't like braggarts, or blowhards, as he called them. He was faithful, honest, loyal, and kind. A man who took his responsibilities seriously, 
and I can count the curse words that ever came from his lips on one hand. Dad coached our Little League baseball team, the Ozark Tigers, for three seasons. I was only 10 when we played our first game against a well-seasoned group of veterans called the Early Birds. I didn't realize it then, but it was a classic David and Goliath showdown. I was the starting pitcher, and I think the score was something like 12 to nothing in the first inning when Dad moved me to right field. <laughs> the league didn't have a mercy rule, but they did have a time limit, and the game only lasted three innings. We didn't get a hit, and the final score was 22 to nothing. But Dad didn't give up on us. He taught us the basics, and slowly he turned me into a pitcher and a bunch of country boys into a competitive team. I have a team photo that hangs in my office to record what we accomplished. Two years later, we made it to the semifinals and the playoffs, and sure enough, our opponent was the early birds. I'm sure they were licking their chops to play us again, but it wasn't quite the game they expected. Guess who Dad put in as a pitcher? It was a competitive game that went down to the last play in the bottom of the last inning. We had a chance to win. But the early birds prevailed again. This time, it was three to two. I was crushed that we lost. But now, over a half century later, I have a different view of that game. As I sit and stare at the team photo, it doesn't matter that we lost. What matters is that my dad was in the picture. Not just for three seasons, but for my life. He gave me a lot of gifts, but the best gift Hook Rainey ever gave me was that he never stopped believing in me. When he died in 1976 at the age of 66, nearly half of our town of 1,325 people came to honor him. One man speaking of my dad's integrity said, I never heard a negative word about Hook Rainey. Even now, his presence is imprinted on my life. Back in the fall of 2007, my friend Randy invited me to go bow hunting on his Montana ranch. As I started my hunt, slipping around junipers in search of a trophy, I heard the words Dad said to me so many times as a boy. Slow down, son. Slow down. Much of what I am today is because I had a father who stepped up as a man and stepped into my life as a boy. He was more than somebody's dad. He was my dad. Bob Helvey is one of my colleagues here at Family Life, and he tells a great story about another father who was also intentional in training his son. When I was about 10, I had the all-American boy job, right? I, I was a paper boy. And on one cold Virginian night, a gust of wind knocked him off his bike. And I just watched in horror as these papers just took off into the wind. At that point, this boy had a choice. He could step up, be responsible, and retrieve all the papers. Or I could give up and pedal home. Guess what I did? That's right, I went on home. When he arrived, his father said, Home early from your paper route, huh, son? And I knew he had me. 
my dad was kind of guy you just couldn't lie to. And so I told him the whole story, and he said, meet you in the car in one minute. They drove to the scene of the crime. And to my astonishment, there was no papers anywhere to be seen. But his dad parked and told Bob to follow him. They walked to a nearby house. And a man answered and invited us in. And I couldn't believe what I was looking at. His entire living room was about knee-deep in disheveled papers, just papers everywhere. With hardly a word, the two men helped the young boy piece every newspaper back together. You got page 13, where's page 9? And we sat there putting those papers back together, as many as we could. Then Bob proceeded to complete his paper route with his father as a chauffeur. And I remember we got home, and, and Dad didn't lecture me. It kind of annoyed me, you know. But he didn't say a thing, and I guess just the fact that I was doing what he's always taught me to do, and that is that Helvey's never quit. When you got a job, you're responsible enough to finish it. Bob wondered how his dad had known just where to go that day. You know, it was about 30 years later that my dad and I were talking, and that story came up, and I asked him a question I could never figure out. I said, how did you know which house to go to? <laughs> As it turns out, the man who lived there stepped out of his front door, saw all these papers, and of course he knew who I was, so he called my dad, told him to get his good-for-nothing son up here to clean up these papers, and that's how my dad knew exactly where to go. And Together, they conspired to teach a young boy a lifelong lesson. It worked. As we were putting the papers together, he was kind of a, a good guy, and I figured, you know what? <laughs> he must be a father, too. God gives us a unique opportunity as fathers to join Him in what has to be one of the most noble, transcendent assignments we'll ever have as men. He gives us the privilege of joining with Him in shaping the next generation of men.